listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. awakening happens that doesn't happen um, anywhere else than right here right now in this body if we were to hop if we were to wake up that that happens um, in this apparatus this temporary apparatus um, my teacher used to call this a skin bag I thought that was really appropriate and kind of disgusting but um, the skin bag that we are carrying around with us and that eventually will fall away. But that this vehicle sometimes um, sometimes crashes. But every once in a while we're in a situation where we, we hit another vehicle, let's say. Um, we deal with uh, other difficult drivers, one might say. Anybody ever Dealt with it, just me. Okay, so the <laughs> difficult drivers. Um, just me, I, I run into difficult drivers periodically where uh, uh, I can get the sense that, that these people are um, maybe not seeing things as I might choose to see them, but that doesn't make them wrong. Still, um, there can be a bit of a, uh, a bit, bit of tension or a bit of uh, you know run-in or something along those lines. This is natural with uh, a multitude of vehicles driving around on this infinite superhighway. You're bound to, you're bound to um, get cut off. You're bound to sideswipe. You're bound to get sideswiped. You know. The point is, how is it that we deal with drivers that aren't um, living by the same rules that we are operating under. They're not operating under the same pattern of rules. They're not operating, they're not driving the same speed limit. They're not observing this, this fundamental rule of the road, which is please no tailgating. God damn it. Anyway, so not that I have an opinion about that, but isn't that just, especially when the lane next to you is driving, oh, you know, so you just kind of move over. If you ever notice this, if you just move over into that open lane, and let them pass, it's like, <sighs> and yet there's something so often in us, it's like, no, they should move, right? This is where we, we, we go to war, and um, we don't need to. At that point, we choose it. And so with difficult drivers, one of the things that was so helpful to me, um, uh, and I, I try to put it into practice as often as possible, is recognizing that Yes, they may be operating under different rules. They may conflict with mine. They may be tailgating. But for me to get caught by their unconsciousness is my choice. That's something I can actually meet. I can control. I can witness the experience of somebody saying something that just gets right under my skin or somebody doing something that's mean-spirited or somebody... Um, holding on to a position that I see as being fundamentally destructive, they can do all that. 
They're allowed. What the practice shows us is that we don't have to play that game. We don't have to dance with them. That's a choice. And that's very hard for us to, to see oftentimes. It's like there is no choice. We have no other choice. We're stuck in the car with them. I was at a, a, a dinner recently with a group of friends, and uh, one of the, one of the uh, individuals, fortunately there were several of us there, so it wasn't that big of a deal, but one of the individuals had had a little bit too much to drink and was kind of pontificating, going on and on and on, getting a little bit more combative as the wine started flowing and so forth. And it's just one of those things where it's like, no, I'm not going to take the bait. I'm not. I'm not. doesn't mean I love you any less, but I'm not going to take the bait. Excuse me. And then I chose to move on. And it was hard because what I wanted to do was say, you know, are you kidding me? idiot. This is, not the, this is not the person I know. This does not make, I wanted to kind of go into that space, but it wouldn't have done any good for them or for me. And so the idea of letting go when we're in these types of situations becomes something really, really powerful. Those choices become something really powerful. Indeed, healing, I would argue, if we meet them with that depth, that grace, that ease that comes with a stillness practice, that's supported by a stillness practice, that lets us recognize that this body we are in is a vehicle, and we get to drive it, and we get to decide whether or not we change lanes. We get to decide whether or not we're going to tailgate. This is not easy. But it is something I found to be helpful. And I think recently it's been particularly helpful with, um, uh, with what it is that I do professionally. It's been very, very uh, interesting as a, you know, a mayor of a small city um, made up entirely of uh, teenagers. Uh, it's been very, very interesting to kind of take, take them on with great care as the end of the year kind of unfolds, as the parents are like, what do you mean they're not graduating? Well, they kind of forgot to come to school, uh, you know, and be able to have those difficult conversations with love, with care, you know, uh, without tailgating, uh, letting this body be the vehicle for delivering a message of, uh, you know, accountability on the one hand, and also uh, deep unconditional regard for the human experience that every single teen and every single parent of every single teen faces. I'm not saying I get it right all the time, either. Screw it up constantly. One continuous mistake. But it is something that we can uh, begin to uh, appreciate in other, other beings. But not everybody's operating under the same sense of the appropriate driving speed. Not everybody's taking on this, this body as a vehicle for awakening in the same way that we might be trying to do. And our endeavoring to wake up from this uh, dream state of past and future where we are addicted to a small, separate sense of self and can't seem to bust out of that. If we are really, really looking to do that, we have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to choose 
wisely, to drive well, to drive evasively when we need to, to step on the gas when we need to. So with that in mind, I think it's kind of, um, it's a neat opportunity here that we share when we can meet on a, a Monday night after a, a savage thrashing by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Not that I'm clinging to that either, but uh, <laughs> damn it. Uh, we can choose. We can choose how we react. You know, We can choose in whatever the situation is. And we can choose together. It's very important, I think, for us to recognize, that despite the person who might be sitting in front or behind you, it may not be somebody you hang out with all the time, they are somebody who can help deepen your practice just by helping you be quiet. By helping you, instead of going after the habitual tendency to move in a certain direction or say a certain thing or look at things in a certain way, they can help you call that into question just by being next to you and being quiet. Pretty cool. Sangha is another body that acts as a vehicle. And it can deepen what we do. It's a shortcut. Having a sangha, having a self and studying that self and having a sangha to help study that self and to have a teaching that helps us study that self. Man, what a gift, what a cool thing. In the suburbs. <laughs> We're only 12 minutes from Nordstrom. <laughs> Five minutes from a Whole Foods. <laughs> Kidding aside, it's a beautiful thing. It really is a beautiful gift. And it's a beautiful gift that you give just by showing up. Really showing up to what's happening in this life um, together. Suddenly this body can be collectivized. And this vehicle can become even more, more profound, can carry even more of us uh, into a place that none of us imagined possible. So my um, wish for you tonight is as we sit still, be in your body. Recognize this vehicle. No matter what the condition of this vehicle, it's a pretty damn good car, ultimately. You know, it's, it's gotten you through some stuff. And there's more to come. May not all be pretty. May not all be, you know, not so uh, uh, pretty. It might also be beautiful. In fact, I would guarantee you, you're going to get both. So am I. So with that in mind, when we sit still tonight, we can just rest. Rest in that knowledge that uh, this too is temporary. But because it is temporary, it is unbelievably inspiring in terms of what the potentials could be. If you're feeling dark and down, that's temporary. If you're feeling elated, if enlightenment hits you right now, that's temporary too. Those feelings, those states, those moments, they're temporary. The traits they may inspire and help support, that can be something of a kind of a resonant purchase. But uh, even that, too, is temporary. So with this in mind, 
Relax. No one's keeping score. Just relax, but really relax. Pay very close attention to this mind. It too is a vehicle. Relax with that mind. Pay very close attention to this skin bag. <laughs> it's temporary, but it too is a vehicle. You are not these thoughts that arise and cease. Rather, you are the observer of these thoughts. Rather than being simply this body, you are the observer of this experience we call body. You are the observer of all experience. All experience arises within this awareness of who and what you really are. Let yourself open to that. Let yourself relax into and through this very simple space of silence this um, monk in Nepal and his, his whole thing, his whole Dharma talk on this particular day was uh, to this group of us. I was, I was sitting in a group of um, um, Europeans, uh, some Aussies, and these Israelis. The Israelis are the most most interesting, I thought, because first of all, they're in this, you know, this Buddhist temple in Nepal. I thought that was that was pretty cool, and they're all raised, you know, ensconced in the, the Jewish tradition and so forth. Um, uh, and I found them very interesting at at, at lunch and, and so forth. Then dinner, they would argue about anything. Um, <laughs> it was it was hilarious, and they were they were the loudest people I'd ever met in my life. Absolutely hilarious and funny, but like there's a there's a Dharma talk going on, and then they start talking, 
about what was going on in the Dharma talk full volume, you know. And I, and it was to the point where I was, you know, I'm kind of cracking up. It's like, really? Yeah. You know? And, uh, uh, so, you know, not being much of a shrinking violet, I told them to shut the hell up. And, um, <laughs> um, and they, of course, immediately thought this was, this was pretty cool, and uh, we had a discussion about it afterwards. <laughs> but but um, the, 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 teaching, the teaching was so profound. The teaching was, show up and shut up. <laughs> you know, cut right to the point. Show up and shut up. And... Uh, I remember, I remember having, you know, kind of carrying the conversation on at, at mealtime, and and the, the the commentary from this one particular guy who I actually quite liked was, you know, uh, he was saying, but the shut up is so hard. I have so much to say. And um, that's the disease right there. You have so much to say. It's not that saying something is so bad, but that there's an I that feels compelled to do it. That rather than, than, than being quiet and still and letting that stillness begin to inform what it is that we do, we always feel like we had to editorialize and say something. I remember there's this, this great, uh, great practitioner, she was quite skilled and so forth, um, she'd been doing this a long, long time, and um, uh, this was in another group, actually, in another, another, it was in Thailand, not in, not in Nepal, but I remember how this lady, she'd have a question, you know, and she'd, she'd raise her hand, and then the, the, uh, the teacher would call on her, and what I, I began to get used to was that she was going to editorialize about what question she was going to ask for at least a couple of minutes first. She was going to talk about it. You know, she was going to talk about, talk about, you know, well, here's what I've got going, and blah, 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 and it kept going and going and going and going and going. And after about the, the third incident of this, the, the very mild-mannered uh, uh, John, the teacher, he, he said, Stop, stop, stop. What's your question? Perfect, perfect. It forced her into this. Oh. She had so much to say, you know? She wasn't from Israel, she was uh, from Los Angeles, but same thing. Angelinos and, uh, Angelinos and uh, uh, Israelis, same thing. Um, Kidding aside, I thought it was so such a beautiful moment, you know, and for her especially. Get to the point. Don't waste time. Because there's not a lot of space on this runway for all we know. Don't waste time. Cut to the chase. Get ego out of it. Get the story out of it. Just go. That's kind of cool. That's how we use the body as a vehicle. That's how we effectively add mileage. I'm going to keep stretching this metaphor. Just, just stick with me, okay? That's how we turn our internal combustion engine into it. Spiritual Tesla. Supercharge. <laughs>
and it allows us to see um, infinite, infinity in the, the, the daily grind of being. It allows for us to change, to begin to see truth where we are, as opposed to something ethereal, something out there. It becomes right here. Dogen uh, says, I love this line, he says, if you cannot find the truth where you are, where do you expect to find it? Truth is not far away, it is ever present. It is not something to be attained, since not one of your steps leads away from it. You can't escape this truth we're talking about. You can also turn truth, capital T, into infinite, capital I. You can escape the infinite? I dare you. Tell me how. Tell me how. Tell me how to do that. You're going to escape awareness? Tell me how. Even after a couple bottles of wine, there's still an awareness. There's still an awareness. After the third bottle, there might not be, but you get the idea. <laughs> you know, there's an awareness. As long as we are able to cognitively function, we have an awareness of what's going on. And as long as there's an awareness of what's going on, there is the infinite on display, and we get to choose what to do with it. Once again, that choice is key. Absolutely key. And if we expect to find it somewhere else, boy, that defines delusion, doesn't it? This is why I oftentimes make that, make that case that we can go along pretending we're seekers. That's all well and good, but dang, what are you seeking? Instead of being a seeker, what if you, what if you just switched that? What if you became a finder? What if you became someone who actually recognizes the infinite in every step? Because it's there. It is the stepper, the step, Stepped all together. It's always there. Truth is always there. The infinite is always there. Awareness is always there. They're all the same thing. And they take us out of this small self vehicle and turn us into the environment in which the vehicle actually moves around. We become much bigger. Instead of being just the boat, we become oceanic. Not we become the ocean at the expense of the boat. We become the boat too with the ocean. We become all things. We become the sky. We become clouds. This is kind of where this practice leads us. But you've got to want to find it. I think that's one of those things that's kind of interesting to me. So much of this work is about attitude. You know, there's a tendency for us to want to kind of blow it off, if you're like me, still to this day, the alarm goes off waking me up, it's like I always, every day, think the following thought when I hear the alarm go off, maybe I'll stay in bed this morning, every day, for, I've been doing this now for 20 some odd years, practicing for 20 some odd years, every day, I still, that bell goes off and says like, Oh, time to meditate. I never have that feeling. <laughs> Instead, it's, uh, maybe it's warm. It's really nice. I, I snooze. Worst invention of all time. <laughs> snooze button. I've already talked about this, but 
the negotiation that goes on with the snooze button. You know, we talked about that. You hit it. Okay, I'll just nine more minutes. That's fine. I can handle nine more minutes. Then you hit it again. So yeah, I won't make breakfast. <laughs> and then pretty soon you're like, I won't wear clothes. <laughs> you're gonna meditate fast. You're gonna meditate super fast. Yeah, that was good. Okay. <laughs> um. So. With this idea of attitude, I kind of want to touch on this because you got to have a right attitude. That's part of the part of the. We were talking about the eightfold path last couple last couple meetings, and this attitude is just so important. The attitude, I think, it's okay to have the the doubt. It's okay to have the. Ah, I think I want to want to sleep in. That's okay to, for it to be there, but recognize that little voice is precisely the voice that wants to stop, prevent squelch, alter, abridge, and hinder awakening, all right? You can't see the horns on it, but yeah, it's like, you know, the little devil inside that's kind of saying, oh, it's nice. it's cold out there. You don't want to get on that cushion. You don't need it. Yeah, whatever, right? Um, and so I think that it becomes really, really important really, really important for us to, to have an attitude in relationship to that. That little devil that's speaking is still part of us. It's still a divine manifestation of truth in, in the infinite. It wants to hinder it. But we deal with it. Similarly, we honor the thing in us that we can't explain quite exactly, but it seems to pull us into a stream of waking up. I went and saw... Uh, uh, finding Dory this weekend with, with my girls, and I think that Pixar, they do a fabulous job anyway, but I mean, they do this really cool job of kind of getting the story, the old story, Finding Nemo, woven into kind of the new fangled version, very tender story about this lost fish that's trying to reconnect with community in a way that, um, that she didn't expect she could. It was quite nice. And my girls, uh, so my oldest daughter watched Finding Nemo, I kid you not. I think we counted, I may have gone over the, I, may have, I don't know if it was you I had this discussion with. It may have been. I think, I think my daughter saw it from the time she was three to the time she was three and a half, probably 192 times. So I kind of have the dialogue that's all in my head already. And she was saying, we were talking about the movie afterwards, we, all, we, we always have what we call the critique so we go to have, uh, uh, you know, hot chocolate, some type of hot drink or something like that, and so we're having our critique after the film. And I said, "What do you think?" And she said, "I still think one of my favorite parts is when they get swooped up into that stream with the turtles, and it's like they, they just kind of let go and relax, and they fly through the ocean. This is a real thing, you know, the stream that kind of this undercurrent that goes through the, uh, the ocean." Um, uh, and I thought that it reminded me kind of spiritually what happens when we begin to let go, that it begins to kind of take us exactly where we need to be, and everything's okay, dude. You know, just like the turtle says, that's riding this thing. Everything's fine. We don't have to fight anything. We just kind of give ourselves over to a practice, and we kind of get on the on-ramp and go. It's attitude. And that attitude is really important, because it's not about war. You're not going, and then when you sit down on your cushion, it's not about war. You're not going hand-to-hand -hand combat um, with thought. 
Ah, no thoughts, no thoughts. No, it's just like, relax. Just relax, dude. You know? You relax, it kind of, the, the stream takes you precisely where you need to go. Um, and it also helps us recognize that the truth is where we are, not somewhere else. Um, it allows us to help ourselves and everybody else fearlessly meet whatever's arising with a certain kind of uh, quietude and grace. We don't have a lot of stories to offer about it, we just live it. We don't have to explain ourselves no matter how much we have to say. We get to show up to our lives, in this case, accepting what is and acting from a place of continuous generosity. And it's easy to do because when we sit still and we meditate, we tend to loosen up our grip on what we want to see happen, what we want from ourselves, the desire we have for things to be different. Whatever we, anger we might have about uh, you know, what somebody else has said or whatever their driving practices are. You know, whatever bumper sticker they might have on the back of their car that advocates a position or a potential option for a presidential election and you disagree with them. You don't feel compelled to ram them. <laughs> or you may, but you choose differently. Or not. I know Julia is not going to choose. She, if she sees it's right, you are you ram Trump supporters. Oh, you? I love Trump. <laughs> because, because Trump is within. Yeah, it's drunk. It's, 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 all, it's in all places. As borne out by our media coverage. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Kidding aside, the, um, the Zargadada Maharaj says this, I, I love this line where he says, when I see that I am nothing, that is wisdom. When I see that I am everything, that is compassion. And in between these two, my life flows. When I see that I am nothing, that is wisdom. When I see that I'm everything, that is compassion. And in between these two, my life flows. Mm-hmm. Beautiful line. Mm-hmm. So we are this awakened peace. Should we choose to be quiet? Should we choose to really show up for our lives? Should we choose not to editorialize? Not to give a preface to everything. Not to turn, not to turn our experience, our spiritual work, into therapy. The therapy, if you will, happens on its own as we practice showing up for our life and being quiet. Instead of going in this particular direction, enhancing a particular move that we always make on this freeway. You know, or particularly speed at which we wish to drive. We instead reevaluate exactly how it is we do what it is that we do with care for ourselves and for everybody else. When we see that deep, deep stillness can unfold, we can see that we are actually so much more than this skin bag, so much more than this vehicle. We are actually 
infinite in our scope. And therefore, the substantive nature of who we are is nothing. When we see this nothingness, when we see this emptiness, as we say in, in Zen, we are wisdom. When we also see simultaneously that we are everything, that we are all things, that we are connected to all things as an individual with agency, in addition to emptiness, we are also somethingness. When we see this happen, simultaneously, our life can flow in a totally different way. We can show up to our experience in an entirely different way. And this is freedom, quite frankly. This is where this, this, this body, this vehicle, begins to open. And we can see it for what it is. And that is not only something to, to uh, get us through, but it's actually a vehicle to get us through and get awakening through this life of ours. But we can we can begin to recognize that this is uh, this is this is not only re about relaxing in the face of all of it, but it's also about enjoying every moment, no matter what it brings. And it's also about the freedom that comes with stillness and just showing up. And that's my wish. That's my wish for every one of you and everyone whose lives you might touch, that you can begin to share that in really conscious ways, that you can simultaneously recognize that you are working this body, working with this body as a vehicle, but that you are also beyond this body, and that beyond this body is what's shared with all beings all the time. And that truth is what is looking for truth. We have a couple of minutes. Did anyone have any uh, questions? Happy to entertain you. As long as you don't editorialize. <laughs> Let me work with you here. Yeah, I'm sorry. How to show up. Yeah, how to show up. Yeah. All you want to do is pull your hair out. Right. Well, I've tried the pull your hair out part. Yes, you can. It's a, when we're in that place where it's like, you know, that's the habitual move that we've always made. And the only reason why it's there is because it's a habit. And so what we do is we practice with small things first. One of the great things about meditation 
is it puts us in a situation of uh, very high stress. Everybody thinks meditation is, what? No, you're relaxing. But no, you, what you're doing is you're, you're oftentimes, if you're doing it right, you're actually meeting whatever's coming up with total stillness. And when we start with small things, we recognize, man, this is pretty, this is pretty tough. The mind, ego, whatever you want to call it, um, uh, begins to start to feel this as, as a tremendous, uh, tremendously powerful and deep threat. And so it goes through a defense mechanization process that usually involves sleepiness. It's incredible. It's, it's the most amazing defense mechanism in meditation. When your mind begins to suddenly, when you're actually starting to do it right, the tendency is for the body to just kind of go, okay, shut down, shut down, shut down, you know? And um, you work through it. You get on the other side of it, and pretty soon we're not falling asleep like we used to. Now it becomes bodily sensation. The lumbar region or thoracic region of your back just starts going, you know, and then we work through that, and we kind of loosen up there, too. And then it becomes tears, maybe, or it becomes, you know, whatever. And we just keep practicing showing up for the meditation, no matter what the meditation brings, because eventually that cute little bell's going to ring, and then we can do whatever the hell we want, Right? But in life, it doesn't quite work. That you don't have a bell that you can ring out of during the day. How cool would that be? Like the little <laughs> TiVo thing, you know? Bing! You know? Okay, wait, let's do a read. You know, that'd be cool. We don't have it, though. So what, what happens is the meditation is like this series of small-scale rehearsals for grandiose life. And so that's why I keep saying that it's such a great shortcut. Meditation is the shortcut. And what happens is the more we meditate, the more we get ready for this accident of awakening. You know, we become more accident prone to the accident of awakening. And what does the awakening do? The awakening allows us instead to habitually go into that great contraction of, you know, when, when all hell's breaking loose. Instead, we're in a situation where it's like, huh, okay, how do we meet this situation? Not this problem. Because it's not a problem, it's a situation. So how do we meet this situation? The greatest amount of generosity possible. And we do that again, and again, and again, and again. And we rehearse it again, and again. And that's called showing up. That's what showing up is. Does that kind of make sense? All right? Good luck, report back. Let us know how it goes. We'll practice with you. Yeah. Not to say what? Not to say it is, is important. Just don't, just don't say it. The compulsion to... To speak. To okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Just waste your being in some way. And so where is that, where is that desire coming from? It must be the ego who wants you to have, to be seen as having a certain kind of personality. And having a personality is a function of the ego. And so the more you just don't say that thing, 
so basically you just uh, unpacked the entire human condition. I have no response. Nice job. You win, you get an A. That's right. Egos want to be seen, they want to be heard, they want to be celebrated because then they can be validated. And if they're validated, then delusion wins. And delusion is always seeking that victory. So we, we go all, look at me, 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 look at me. And we do that in all sorts of ways, you know? Um, and it's cute when you're four. And it gets progressively less cute from four on when people kind of go into that space. Um, sometimes they can do it really skillfully. And then it can be seductive. Right? Um, I never met, when I was on the road doing uh, stand-up, I never met a comic that wasn't, in some weird way, bizarrely, bizarrely narcissistic. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. When, in fact, you know, we, you know, we'd, we'd go back to the hotels afterwards and they would just be dark. You know, it's like they were Jones. And I found myself kind of getting caught by this, too, just Jones without applause, you know? more than applauding. Look at me, look at me, look at me. You know, and then what happens when that look at me doesn't work as well anymore? It's so sad. You know? And so you're, you're spot on, I think, when you, you just kind of unpacked it there, just basically saying, we want to be liked, we want to be validated externally. And there's, at some point, that external validation doesn't not only carry the same weight, as it did when we were younger. But it also, since it's fewer and further between, we can become even much more clingy to it. And that can get scary. And instead, the only way through this particular developmental chapter is the acceptance of what is and then going internal. And then paradoxically, what happens is when we go internal and we begin to kind of master that, that internality, that sense of peace and so forth, we become something that cannot be ignored. But it doesn't matter anymore. Which is all the more interesting. So you're making it, you're making it your goal. I think that the question keeps arising, is this, is this really the goal I want to try to achieve? Okay. No personality, you mean? No personality. No, I don't think the goal is no personality. I think the goal, and I hate using that word, but I'm going to use it anyway. The goal is seeing through our addiction to personality. And when you can see through your addiction to personality, you can begin to, un it begins to unhook. Personality, persona, is the uh, Greek word for mask. And what we can do is get behind the mask and we can see the universe. And that's freedom. That's freedom. That's the combination of wisdom and compassion and in between these two bookends a life happens
you get past and recognizing what it would come out as ego and say what it is that you really want to say, even if it's going to have a negative reaction from that other person. Sure, I think speaking one's truth is imperative to living an authentically, you know, a life of integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what the real question is not, is it okay to speak truth to power? Mm-hmm. Of course it is okay to speak truth to power. In fact, it's required to speak truth to power. What's not required is how effective that truth can be spoken. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want it to be felt in just the right way, you have to use what we say in Pali's upaya. What's the, what's the most skillful way mm-hmm. that it can be said so that it can be heard? That's where presence comes in. Mm-hmm. So people can be really clumsy with that one, mm-hmm. you know, where they, you know, just say, "Hey, man, I'm a truth teller." We talked about this recently. You, no, you're not a truth teller. You are your truth teller, and that's basically a flying your egoic freak flag and waving it and saying, "See, I'm, I'm telling the truth." No, you're just flying your egoic freak flag. Mm-hmm. A truth teller is somebody who can say what's real and what's authentic mm-hmm. in a way that can be felt and heard mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. take that takes skill that's what meditation supports that's what freedom supports that's where living in a place that's beyond personality mm-hmm. but coming from the universe itself openly actually has that has an effect to generate enormous change what I found very interesting this year as you know I'm a high school educator and <clears throat> job. <laughs> <laughs> and I find within my students there is when when I, I'm teaching visual arts is one thing, but then things happen and you're spontaneously, as you know, there's constantly challenges with high school kids. And when it's completely spontaneous and pure, there's such a connection and they get it. And they may need to be reminded many times, but I watch the growth and the change over the year. But in terms of dealing with the powers that be above me, um, I find they have far more difficulty when I am where I feel is coming from a truth and clear and pure. And what's their so truth? So am I? Res- I am not. What's their truth? What's their truth? Uh, don't answer that but think about this you have your truth mm-hmm, they have their they truth, have their truth. The, the real truth mm-hmm. is way past both of those mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so basically what you have is position and position mm-hmm. and that creates an, uh, an adversarial relationship in almost all cases so how we deal with that adversarial sometimes it's archly adversarial other times just kind of a quiet rub mm-hmm. you know that becomes that becomes a place of tremendous opportunity for practice mm-hmm. but it starts it's not practicing on them mm-hmm. it's practicing within you exactly. yeah. and um, yeah. and that so spontaneity you know comes out of that but also it better damn well adhere to the standards mm-hmm. because we have a job to do Right? Mm-hmm. So you have that truth, and then you have, well, I'm teaching art. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's, it's, that, 
to dance. Mm -hmm. Or it's a war. Yeah, you get to choose, war. right. And so you get to choose how that, even if, they, even if they're going at, going at it from an archly adversarial place, if they're going at it from a pugilistic, warlike stance, then that gives you an opportunity to dialogue about that. But one of the things like, I always look at as an administrator is how can I be better? How can I take more out of the way so that this teacher can be great? Mm -hmm. I always look for that. But damn it, be great. Right? And that's your responsibility. Sorry, right, I'm point, not pointing at you. But, you know, <laughs> pointing, I'm pointing at the mystery guest. <laughs> the mystery teacher. Um, and so, so I think it's really... That power dynamic is not something that's, it, that's bad, necessarily. It's something that can be played with and played out in ways that bring out greatness in, in uh, all concerned. Welcome to summer. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Really appreciate it, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.